In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This, from one of those internet things that you see popping up on Facebook all the time. It comes from a Methodist church in Washington. Then Jesus took his disciples up the mountain and gathered them around him, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the merciful, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Then Simon Peter said, do we have to write this down? (laughs) And Andrew said, are we supposed to know this? And James said, will we have a test on this? And John said, did the other disciples have to learn this too? And Judas said, and what does this have to do with real life? So anyone who's ever taught students knows how resistant students can be sometimes to the lessons that we teach, especially when the material that you're trying to teach them challenges their intellect. So we smile knowingly at the idea of Jesus' disciples resisting the hard lesson that Jesus was teaching them on this Judean plain. And it was a tough lesson. It was an advanced course, if you will, in true discipleship. In the Gospel of Luke, This story is placed immediately after the account where the 12 apostles are named. Perhaps Jesus had observed something in them, feeling a little bit full of themselves because they had this sense of being special because of this prestigious appointment. And perhaps they felt moved to think of their position as having a lot of blessings that you would expect in other ways. But rather, Jesus says, no, your blessings will be poverty and hunger and weeping and hatred and insults, exclusion and rejection. Surely this is not what they had signed up for when they heard their names mentioned to be called the apostles. But the advanced lesson made it perfectly clear that a path to a blessed life would not be paved with riches or comfort or status or prestige, but with humility and sacrifice and the willingness to lose everything in order to gain eternal life. You know, too, the same is true for us, right? And we know what is expected of us in our life of discipleship. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. 
give to those who beg from you. These are the marks of a discipleship that is just as true today as it was in Jesus' time. And what's more, Jesus, in this advanced lesson, offers that great paradox of Christian discipleship. The greater the burden, the greater the blessing. The greater the loss, the greater the gain. The greater the risk, the greater the reward. The paradox is played out in these familiar texts. Whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. The measure you give is the measure you get back. Every cell of my body resists that paradox of burden being a blessing. I still want to believe that Christian discipleship can be a little burden and then a lot of blessing. Deep down inside, though, I know that that's not true. I know that love is more demanding than that. Love, the kind of love that Jesus wants us to embrace in our life, doesn't stop until the last tear is dried, the last slave freed, the last wrong righted, the last soul saved. My first congregations were in New Jersey, and I felt blessed to be there. And like in most places, the local Lutheran pastors all got together regularly just for support and for gossip and for all the other things you can imagine Lutheran pastors talking about. And I got to know Bill, who was the pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And his was a congregation made up mostly of people who were homeless, ex-cons, undocumented immigrants, transvestites, and addicts. While most of my colleagues were fretting over things like, which movies do I show the youth group this Friday night, Bill would talk about being with his members at housing court or at an immigration hearing. And then he would walk with his members in peace rallies, as well as justice rights demonstrations. But Bill didn't just help the poor who were part of his congregation. He dressed simply, he ate simply, and he lived simply. One day I asked him what motivated him to live the way he did, and why he had such dedication to the poor. And he had to think for a minute, but he finally answered, because for me, that is what discipleship is. 
It's the only way that I can know true peace. Well, today I understand much more clearly that Bill was living the paradox that Jesus was talking about in today's gospel lesson. In his poverty, Bill had discovered the riches of the reign of God. In his hunger, he had become full. The burden of discipleship had become a way to his own peace. All outward appearances to the contrary, my friend Bill was truly blessed. The word blessed is important, but the secret to understanding it is this. The Sermon on the Plain doesn't simply give us a formula about what we should and should not do. Rather, it describes who we are as children of the Most High God. If we are truly in touch with who we are, and if we allow the Holy Spirit to move within us and to direct our lives, we're going to spend our life answering that call to discipleship, that call to love. As long as there are poor among us, we stand in solidarity with them. As long as there are hungry people, we are hungry too. If one weeps, all weep. We will endure whatever hatred and whatever persecution comes our way as we seek justice for those who are still oppressed. In his articles called Beautiful Stories, Charles Minifee retells a bit of the story of Anne Frank. You know her story a little bit, right? While in hiding, Anne lived for weeks in cramped quarters with little food or water and with terror as her constant companion. Yet days before her arrest, Minifee reminds us that she refused to abandon her ideals, continuing to uphold her belief in the essential goodness of humankind. And just a few weeks before her death, she actually wrote these words, I still believe that people are really good at heart. I admire people like Anne Frank and my friend Bill who have managed to uncover the utter simplicity of Christ's advanced course in discipleship. Our blessings, they learned, will not be found at the mall or online or in our never-ending quest for status and self-importance. Christ's advanced lesson teaches us that we will only feel full when we empty ourselves of self-interest and become the servants of the poor and those who are persecuted. Like Peter, James, and Bartholomew in my opening story, I still often think, as I pray my prayers, do I really have to learn this? Do I really have to turn this in? But people like Anne Frank and my friend Bill and many others who have been mentors to me in my life 
are good teachers. And every day I feel more and more ready to continue to take up the advanced course in discipleship. They tell me it can be a real blessing, and I believe them. Amen.